I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. And I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's East Side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. Welcome back to What's Next, our program discussing issues of equity throughout Western New York. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez. As Buffalo Public School children return for their first full week of school, we wanted to, to talk to some students and some parents about concerns they have as they head into the new year. Uh, joining us today is Buffalo Public School students, Innocent, Freebirth, Sangam, thank you. And also parents, Ed Spidell, President of the District Parent Coordinating Council, Co-Chair of Special Ed Parent Advisory Committee, Danielle Grismala, Co-Chair of the Buffalo Parent Teacher Organization, and Jessica Bauer-Walker, President of Community Health Worker Parent and Student Association. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Thank you for having us. So we're doing this conversation a few days before the start of the 2022-2023 school year. Uh, and everywhere you look around Western New York, there's been talk about a number of big high profile issues, but we wanna hear from the most important stakeholders, our students. So I'm hoping that we can have just a organic conversation, you are high schoolers uh, in, in various grades, but various schools, but we wanna hear from you as to where we were at in, in the, the psyche of, of a Buffalo public school student and, and, and hear from the parents. But right off the bat, I have to start with last year, 2022, 2023, how would you all characterize that school year for you? What were some of the things that stood out? Where were we last year? Hello, my name is Innocent, and last year was pretty chaotic, I would say, because I go to McKinley, and I feel like the principals were getting switched, and some principals weren't doing the job they were supposed to. And um, as a McKinley student, I feel like I would like the, the school year that's coming up to be more productive, have uh, some rules that are not really, I would say, good rules have them fixed like yeah what are what are some of those that that come to mind an example i would say is suspension uh a lot of students from my school get suspended yearly and i'll say we could fix that with solutions instead of suspensions that's a big thing we're doing in community health worker trying to advocate for that free birth um, in your school how did you see last year go uh, i go to performing arts uh generally the school year was um, good for me, but you know the issues that I've like been having detentions and school suspensions or uh, in school suspension because of detentions. Um, well, for me personally, suspensions like outside of school haven't been um, something that I've like personally experienced a lot. Um, but in school suspension is still a big issue just because you're not in class, you're sitting in a room, not necessarily learning anything. There are certain subjects that you, I guess, could teach yourself, but, um, there's other things that you need to be in the classroom with other people learning with a teacher and a professional that knows, you know, what they're, what they're doing. And the main reason that we're in, uh, ISS is because of detentions. If you get like past a certain point, you have to go to detentions. And 
Um, I don't think that that's necessarily fair just because uh, when you when you're not going to detention, it's like for me, I know and a lot of people that I know it's not because, oh, like, I just don't want to go to detention today. We have things to do outside of school, not just like fun things, but like things like going to work or I don't know, like, well, personally, this isn't an issue for me or like, but like going to pick up your sibling from the bus or mm -hmm. whatever. I used to do that. Um, not with my sibling, but cousins and stuff like that. So there's things like outside of school that uh, you need to do. And if I can't go to detention for like the four days, it's like, this is a daily routine type of thing. Mm -hmm. There's, I just don't understand why I have to be, you know, taken out of class for that. That doesn't necessarily make any sense to me. And, you know, with the phone thing, I have been in there because of my phone before. And, uh, you know, there is a time and place to use your phone. I, I do des definitely believe that. I don't have a problem with my phone just being taken from me until the end of the day. But, uh, the, like, the rule is the first time that, you know, they see your phone, they take it. And a parent has to come in and pick it up at the end of the day. So if you want to pick it up at the end of the day, you cannot. It has to be a parent or a guardian coming in to pick it up for you. Um, and then if they see it, like, a second time or a third time, you, they take it for five days or you decide, like, I want, I need my phone. So, like, you go to in-school suspension for five days. And that five days includes, well, it doesn't include the weekend. They can have it over the weekend. Wow. And that wouldn't count towards, like, the extra two days that you have when the week starts. And I've had problems where my phone was taken and I couldn't get inside my house because, you know, I... I couldn't call. I couldn't call my siblings to see, you know, who was in the house. Uh, normally, if no one's in the house, I can go somewhere and, you know, wait with my friends. And after a certain time, like, okay, now it's time to go home. But uh, I was outside for an hour because, you know, I didn't have a way to contact anyone to see, you know, like who was in the house, who could let me in and stuff like that. And they, you know, think that they're I guess that like they're responsible for us getting home safely, but it's like, I mean, I mean, yeah, I was at home, but I wasn't inside my house safe. It's a tough so. one because we're at a point now where everything's digital and you need your phone for communication. Right. And, but also I think, I mean, I, I, I remember a time when we started getting phones in school and it was no cell phones in school. That's fine. But there's, there's, there's a balance there that right. I don't think, I don't know. It seems like we're not striking. Um, and Sangam, how about you and your last school year? Uh, Last, last school year, I, w I go to MST. Last school year was pretty chill, but there were some few fights and I got one detention for being late to a late to a class. So I had to sit in a basement for the whole period of class. Yeah, that, that's about it. Sitting in the basement? Yeah, they have a room for detention. Uh, if you're late to anything, you go to the basement, you just sit there. Yeah, maybe they will bring you some paperwork to do. That's about it. And but now uh, I heard they change it. Like last year, they change it. They give you detention after school. So if you're late to a class, you could still go, but they'll give you a paper. You give the paper to the main office. They will hold you after school. So if you have something going on after school, you won't be attending it on time, most likely. Yeah. So well, I, I guess one of one of the things I'm hearing, what we're hearing, is is one of the, those big high-profile issues is code of conduct, suspensions, just disciplinary action. And real quick before, I mean, I guess we can start delving into what 2023 school year and what we're looking into. First off, how is the suspension? You mentioned your detention was down in a basement. I didn't know any of that. that that's interesting to hear. But suspensions, how do those play out? You get suspended and... Um, 
house suspensions work mm. i don't have like a lot of experience being suspended i've only been suspended once well when you said you were in iss mm -hmm. um you said you kind of had to teach yourself are you not getting the work from your teachers during that you, time you are getting the work but uh getting the work doesn't necessarily matter when there's no teacher to teach it to you the subjects in history normally it's you read a passage and you know answer the questions that's easy uh mm -hmm. but if you're like math you can't necessarily do that geometry that's yeah. hard, you yeah. know, if you get a worksheet and you're learning, uh, like last year in math, you know, we were basically learning like something new each day. So maybe if it was something that we've already been doing and I like, you know how to do, but if you're learning something new each day, just because you're getting the work doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that you can teach it to yourself, yeah. especially with, especially with subjects like math, like that's, you see shapes on a, on a paper and you know, you don't know what to do with it. And I will say at performing arts, most of our teachers are like very like willing to like come down and help you with stuff um you know when they have the free time obviously they have classes going to that they have to attend to but when they do have the free time they will come down and you know try and help us and see what they can do while they have that time but it's not a lot of time it's not a whole class period so you won't be getting like the knowledge that you need to to do the work mm -hmm. uh, parents Suspensions, that's that's a big one. What are the initial thoughts here on it? Uh, yeah, I think that we've been working on this for such a long time. I've been working on this for over a decade and it's really unfortunate that our, our students are still dealing with this. Um, we, we, over a decade ago, lost a student who was suspended for roaming the halls, not even a serious offense at Lafayette High School and he was shot and killed at a bus stop. Um, and that, that kind of stuff may, has to make us stop and really re-examine what we're doing. And I think as you're hearing from our students, and these are just a couple of the stories, um, those in-building suspensions, they're not even counted in the data. There's very little accountability and transparency around those um, in-building suspensions or the detentions. And the amount of school exclusion that's happening, um, you know, we really see any acting out is uh, at the root cause of mental, emotional, or behavioral health issue that we need to work on correcting. I mean, these are children, right? <laughs> they make mistakes. Um, they act up sometimes. They're gonna be late sometimes. So what what is the appropriate consequence? And we try to separate you know, punishment from consequence. So there's ways to have consequences without punishing our children, without putting them in a basement, with you know, no, no teacher to educate mm -hmm. them, um, without giving them an opportunity to get breakfast when they're late or not let them go to class. That just seems counterproductive. Um, I know the district has said that suspensions are going down and they're doing some things to help to remedy them, um, but they're not going down quickly enough. And the most recent data that we've looked at, there's this concept of disproportionality, which means that if you're black, you're getting suspended two and a half times the rate of your white peers. If you're low income, same thing, about two and a half times. If you have a disability, twice as likely to get suspended. So this is really a civil rights issue, the amount of our students that are getting suspended and the fact that those equity issues have not moved at all. So even if the numbers are slightly down, the amount of other school exclusion that's happening that's not in the data and the disproportionately around that is a very, um, is a practice that we really need to examine. First of all, is this even working? Second of all, the level of harm that it's doing. Because a lot of our, the stories that we hear from, from these children, especially some of the suspensions by law right now, can be for an entire school year. That, 
that pretty much destroys a child's education um, for them to be suspended. You know, even five days, I, I've experienced this with my, my own child and with many other children, does significant damage. When you start to get to these long-term suspensions that are 30 days plus up to a whole school year, um, this is not something that we should be doing as a school system. And there's there are solutions out there. There's ways that we can do things differently. And we really need to start to not just try to get a you know 11% de decrease in suspensions, but to, to really be more radical, starting with things like, let, let's you know eliminate suspensions K through three to start with. Why, why is a kindergartner getting suspended? What could a kindergartner do to be excluded from school? And it's not to say that there's not um, unsafe or disruptive behaviors and that right. child may need to be removed from a classroom, but let's let's help that child, right? Um, and the impact it also has on families. If if you have a small child who has to stay home from school, you can't go to work. You know, parents lose their jobs over this. So it, it's just really a spiral type of effect that um, creates a lot of damage, and and we're hopeful that we can um, more effectively address it, and and also recognize, you know, that a lot of the suspensions are happening for subjective behaviors, things like insubordination or disrespect. Um, so there's some things that I think are lower hanging fruit that we could start to address, and we would be happy to work collaboratively with the district on. Danielle. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll echo what Jessica said there. Um, we we do sit with the superintendent and and her her team, and we work on these things. We have these discussions, and it comes down to a lot of these short term um, suspensions. Those are happening at the school. That's up to the principal. And so, what we're looking to we Parent Congress is looking to work collaboratively with our district and our school leaders mm -hmm. to reduce these suspensions individually at their schools. Like, are we following the code of conduct? Like, are we following it to the T? Are we doing what's right by our children? And that's kind of where we sit. We we come here and we say, listen, we want to work together and we want our ch our children to be safe and they need to be in school. So how do we do that, right? What's been the feedback from, from the superintendent? So, you know, they are working in the messaging from the top down, Dr. Williams, she's on board. She wants these down she's recognizing what's going what's going well what we need to really put a spotlight on is what can we do at these individual schools how do we work with these principals to get these numbers even further down i know they're coming down we are doing work we we are seeing gains but like jessica said it it's not enough yet and ed wow i have a slightly different view of the whole situation um I feel instead of suspensions, they need to find a different solution because the children that are in the classrooms that aren't disturbing the um, classroom do have rights too. I want everybody to be treated equally. So I don't think just because um, my son would act up in a classroom that he should be suspended, maybe they should have an alternative place in the building to put him so that the kids that he's disturbing still get their legal education and my son isn't cheated out of his legal education, right? So I look at it from that approach. And I could absolutely argue the same way both um, Jessica and Danielle did about, you know, are we really suspending kids for the right reason? Are all the suspensions actually suspendable? I would argue that no one watches that. So your child gets suspended. Um, they call me. I call and advocate for them. They go, they can't be suspended for that. Well, they've already been out of school two or three days. There's nobody at any level that checks short-term suspensions immediately. My recommendation would be nobody gets suspended without approval from somebody so that there isn't a kid suspended that shouldn't be suspended. I'm all for um, following the rules and the code of conduct, mm -hmm. but some principals 
not all, but some are bending the rules a little bit and suspending kids that shouldn't be suspended. So that would be where I would come from. All students have to be equal, so they all deserve a fair day. And if a child's having a problem, let's take them to another room or her to another room and solve their problem without kicking them out of school. Thank you. That would mean that every principal would have to follow the code of conduct, you know, the exact same way, right? There can't be any deviation from from what the code of conduct says. Some of it is it's subjective, right? And I think right. that's part of why we um, we advocate for parents to have advocates because I think a lot of what we experience and what our students tell us is a lot of this is misunderstandings. I mean, that's conflict in general, right? Um, when we sit down and talk through it, a lot of times we can come up with a solution. And so that's a lot of the work that we've done as parent advocates, um, even if I'm trained as an advocate, but when I have an issue with my own child, I bring an advocate in with me. And I think that needs to happen a little bit more. Um, that's why a group of us came together last year and started a Buffalo suspension hotline um, just to help sure that, make sure that parents and students know what their rights are and have somebody to represent them because it, again it's serious to be removed from school um, so we do have a suspension hotline that will that is open and parents can call if they're dealing with this issue at 716-220-7081 um, and again our, our intention is really not to come after the district but to support parents and make sure that everybody's rights are respected and that we're problem solving instead of punishing. We brought up in this, in this conversation at one point the issue of, of conflicts. They're going to happen. Bullying is going to happen. This is a, a, a response to that. Suspensions could be that. Bullying is a national problem. It's a societal problem. What are you seeing as far as bullying in your schools? How is it being addressed? It's something that the Board of Education and Superintendent Williams has also made paramount to, to tackle this year. What are you seeing in your, in your cases? Um. Most of the bullying is like, uh, it's just little things that people do. Maybe like, you know, someone that doesn't like you when you walk past and they start snickering or whispering in people's ear or just making things up about you. And it's, if you go to someone, you, they will tell you like, well, you know, you don't really know that that's like who they were talking about you don't know that it was you that they were talking about you don't know that it's you that they were laughing at you don't know that it was like them that who who spread this like rumor or whatever so it's basically a bunch of like he he said she said and it's like things can be proven though and honestly like yeah when you walk across someone that doesn't like you and they start snickering like I, you know that it's about you and if it happens constantly yeah it's a little thing but little things do get to you little things do bring you down so just because i, I don't know people think that bullying has to be like the oh the, like the movie bullying type which like i don't see happen no one's getting shoved inside a locker or like can i get your lunch money like that's not <laughs> happening like it's not <laughs> it's never like that it's just it's just little things that gets you and um i do also think that just because people aren't complaining about bullying anymore i even have friends who are like yeah like i'm not about to I'm not going to like report anything anymore because there's no point like I've been reporting and mm. I'm not getting any like f positive reactions back so there's no point for me to report things anymore or or I'm just going to like stop coming to school because I don't feel like dealing with this so obviously the the bullying isn't getting reported or these incidents are getting reported because the kid who was you know facing these issues is no longer coming to school or no longer reporting so yeah you wouldn't know about it um so that's just how i feel about that 
Yeah, what well, my friend here, Freebird, said. <laughs> most of the bullying nowadays is minor. There's there's nothing huge going, but if even if it's minor, there is some things going. But uh, sometimes it, minor, like microaggressions, every day is a lot so worse right. than just like one incident. Mm-hmm. I feel like teachers can bully students too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah, that's all. Have you ever felt picked on yeah. by a teacher? Yeah, I did. Did. I, I feel like uh, what Sangam was saying, teachers could bully students because there's like, sometimes if a student is failing in a class, uh, it's not necessarily like nice for a teacher to like say their grade or be like, uh, pay attention because you know what you're failing. I don't right. feel like that's really good for a teacher to say. Saying that out in public yeah. in front of the whole class. So basically I had an issue where I was failing in a subject and I was just like asked to use the bathroom. And then the teacher uh, was trying to be funny and said, uh, why are you going to use the bathroom when you know you're not really passing my class? And I feel like that could really like have a student in a depressed mindset. And teachers uh, and parents should really check up on their stu- uh, kids and students and make sure their mental is there. And yeah, I just feel like mental health is a big issue and a big concept to bully into. And you mentioned that it's that even teachers might be culpable of this, but in your schools, is there a proper way to address it? Is there how do you report it? Granted, I think Freebirth, you mentioned that not a lot of people report it because it's either they consider it minor or then you're seen as a, a, as a tattletale or a rat. Um, there's that too. But is there a proper means or are there people that you can go to, administrators, that is there a process in play in your schools to address these cases individually? Does there need to be? Um, me, I have teachers that, like, I genuinely like, and, you know, we have conversations, and if I'm having a problem, like, I can go to them. I don't necessarily go to any, well, one of my assistant principals, um, I can go to, but other administrators, I don't go to. There's, I think that the teachers at our school are very good. A lot of us have, you know, really nice connections with our teachers, and I do have teachers that will go and talk to someone if, you know, I bring up like an issue to them, but you know, that's like a school to school thing. Well, on the topic of bullying, if you could speak with a BPS administrator right now, what would you say to them? I would say, uh, give teachers proper training on mm. how to stop bullying yep. and also make them mindful of the things they will say will affect a student mm-hmm. because students, they practically look up to their teachers, you know, that's, uh, you, you probably spend more time with your teacher and in, in school than your family. So you're gonna have to present yourself in a way where students can look up to you. Mm. Yeah. So we've heard from students, parents, bullying, that's, that's a big one. How do we tackle this? Ed? Well, I have uh, three of my four students have been affected by bullying. Um, my oldest son, Edward, which is a graduate of uh, 156, when he was at the charter school, they made fun of his haircut because he had a haircut like his father. It's now been eight years since his last haircut. He refused to get a haircut since that day. Um, Caitlin, my oldest daughter, sorry, Caitlin, um, she got bullied so bad in uh, South Buffalo Charter that she cut herself. And... Uh, Daniel hasn't been in school in six years now because of bullying. He won't get out of the car. So what I would say to teachers is be mindful of what the kids are saying to each other and how they're treating each other. Because I was a kid once, and I know how mean we can be. you know. And we're just playing, but we're not playing. Mm-hmm. And um, 
remember that those kids can be affected for a long, long time. My daughter's doing great. She's now a registered nurse. She's, she succeeded. She proved everybody wrong. Um, Edward, you know, with his autism is always a, a daily function. And I have a young one in seventh grade. And the only thing that gives me any um, encouragement is that he's in a, a, a 811 class, which keeps him away from other kids and keeps him safe. Because the kids in his environment, they, you, you know, you could pick on any one of them, right, for their disability. So he's safe there. They're all equal to each other and they don't do it. I would just ask the teachers to pay attention. And when a student comes to you, believe what they said. It's important to um, believe them. And, uh, and find an appropriate way to solve that problem. And to parents, we have to talk to our children. You can't go, hey, you're being bullied. You have to be like, what do we do when you're being bullied? Because your student is going to answer the question the easiest way they can. They're not going to tell you. You have to dig it out of them, and you have to really ask them questions that are going to find out what happened in school. Yeah, I think some of this behavior is normalized and, you know, can easily go from teasing to going way too far. Mm -hmm. And that's where we need to teach our children, right? I mean, that's where what social emotional learning is supposed to be. And we have to treat each other with kindness and respect. Um, some of the stuff that's happening, you know, between the kids, it's a cry for help. You know, even these situations around bullying, whether it's the bully themselves or somebody being bullied, um, we need to bring people together and have those conversations. We we need training across the board. The system that's in place right now where um, DASA, the Dignity for Students Act, they're supposed to be a coordinator in every building. And that's most oftentimes the principal. That's really not appropriate. Um, that's not who the students are going to. So I think we need to have a different infrastructure in place so that um, students have some language around bullying, parents do, and there's an infrastructure in school. Um, and I, and it you know, really breaks my heart when I hear our students talking about that they did try to go and get help and they were not believed. And that seems to be consistent in terms of them saying something and it being minimized and the level of, of hurt and harm and the mental, emotional, and behavioral um, distress that our students have right now because of these things to stop going to school to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else is pretty pervasive. And so I think we really need to dig into this. Um, you know, again, I spoke about a student that was killed because he was suspended. We lost a student this year, Dariel, um, and you know, I sat with his grandmother and cried with his grandmother and that situation is so beyond heartbreaking. And really like her intent is just, I just wanna raise awareness around this. I just want this not to happen to anybody else, right? Um, and that situation, again, like when we lose a child, that is an extreme example where everything needs to stop and we need to understand that we have to do something drastically differently not just small changes but it has to be urgent because this is a systemic problem and our children are really hurting hey we're not anti-teacher at all we love our teachers we, we know they have a difficult job we know there's a lot on the plate we're just asking them to be more aware to help protect our children before we move on from bullying anything else that the students that, that, that comes to mind yeah uh when uh when students do take steps and tell the teachers, I don't think it's like taken serious. Cause in middle in middle school, I I did got bullied. Uh, I told teachers they didn't do nothing. It was it was getting bad, so I had to take things in my own hand. I fought. Uh, after that, I I wasn't suspended. Luckily, I fought. After that, I had a talk with the principal, blah blah blah, and told her, oh, this was happening, that was happening. Uh, I think they suspended the other kid. But after, uh, once he come back, it, it started happening again and again. You know, it was it was a fight uh, after another fight. 
I didn't want it to fight. I don't like fighting. It's I don't think violence will solve anything. But you know, but we we're young. We wanna fight everything. <laughs> the last thing we want to do is go to a, a, a administrator and say, "Hey, so and so did this." So you want to feel you have some autonomy there and, mm -hmm. and can handle that. But it sometimes it's it, maybe one, maybe it's a group it, that tends to happen as well, where yeah. it's a it's a grouping of, of, of bullies. It's a it, you're outnumbered, yeah. so it's not easy. There's not it's not a cut and dry scenario. Every incident should be treated individually, but it's hopefully getting to that point where we take an account of each of these cases and, and really assess uh, what's going on because yeah. it, it spirals out of control after a certain point and that's mm -hmm. what we don't want. Yeah, and not all students are able to protect themselves. They're not. Right. Some people, they might not speak up. Some people, they might just ignore it, thinking, oh, something. Students that, especially when we're young, we don't, we don't open up to nobody, like especially nowadays, to our older folks, like principal, maybe, those people, teachers, we don't we don't open up much often, so we just take things in our own hand. Mm -hmm. But I don't I don't recommend doing that. It's it's not safe. Innocent. Back to bullying, I suggest we should do a restorative circle because I genuinely feel like bullying. As soon as you tell the person, he feels triggered and wants to continue, and he feel more like I got him. I can. Yes, I got, I got him. him. And he, he basically wants a response every time. And if, if the teacher just tells him to stop instead of actually solving the issue, get into a circle and making sure why is he bullying, why is this happening, I feel like he will just continue and continue and continue. And there will be no stop because he loves attention. Does McKinley do restorative circles? No. Oh. We, we need a, For those that aren't familiar, what, what does a restorative circle look like? So restorative circle looks like Basically, you're in a circle and nobody is more in power than anybody else and you'll have a conversation. And if the conversation gets too in-depth, you take a break, like a five-minute break, and then get back into the conversation and make sure everything is resolved. So, we're, there's still a lot to be done there when it comes to bullying, but we have a lot to talk about still in this upcoming school year. The, the, one of the other big ones that we've all heard about is bus commutes transportation, schedules. Uh, we have a bus driver shortage and it's causing delayed bus routes. Some students are having to wait or be on a bus for 90 minutes. Elementary schools, students lose about 30 minutes of learning as a result of, of inefficiencies in these bus routes. So we've gone to a three-tiered bus system or three-tiered bell system rather. For those listening that don't know, some schools will start at 7.30 and end at 2.40. Some start at 8.20 and end at 3.30 and 9, 10 a.m start time to end at 4.15. The, uh, the hope here is that it'll maximize our bus driver routes, it'll alleviate lengthy commutes, and help students with after-school activities, uh, sports, hopefully help parents and their schedules to line up. But this is a new thing coming in next this year to the students. What are the thoughts that, that come to mind with, with, do you take the bus? Uh, how do you get to school? Um, in ninth grade, I took the bus every day to school. Um, there was a big issue then too, like, um, there are, there's like specific bus routes that are very inconsistent. Um, I like, there's apps on your phone that you can download to see when your bus is coming, but that's not mm -hmm. always accurate. Sometimes the bus will ride right past you and, uh, sometimes it's not even their fault, you know, uh, but like the bus, the buses are just like sometimes just packed and you can't, you can't sit down. So like they 
have to ride past you. Um, I would say the the bell system, it affects me just because I used to be late a lot. I couldn't get up early enough to get to school and now I have to get up even earlier. And um, I don't know, that just, it's a really early start time and I don't, I hope that it'll fix bus issues. Um, I know that there are bus drivers that like, uh, even the things with like your phone, even if you have, like you have to be somewhere or like you have to just wait like two weeks to get a whole new route on your, on your uh, card now. Freshman year, they weren't really checking, but last year they started checking a lot. And if you don't have a specific route on your card, they're not letting you get on the bus. Or even if you have like your bus pass from last year, um, they tend to look the same. So if you pick up one and you show them and you're like, oh, like I picked up the wrong one. It depends on the driver, but they're like, no, like you can't get on the bus. Uh, I've experienced it before. I've had friends that experienced it. They'll literally have like backpacks on their back. I go to performing arts, so like art supplies or whatever, like mm -hmm. big art boards and just stuff in their hands. And they're like, no, like you can't get on the bus. And it's like, clearly that's a student. Like, you know that that's a student, you can see that. And they like literally just won't let you get on the bus. So now are we talking yellow bus? Or are we talking Metro? Metro, Metro bus, okay. Zangam? Oh. I do agree with what you said. The bus is packed. And once it's like at a certain level, the bus driver won't let you in. Like. There's some days I seen like uh, where people were like, it was hard for them to just stand up in a bus. You know, all the seats were taken. It was crowded. Uh, people were not able to get in because it was too packed. And once that happened to me, I take bus five to 26. Once that happened to me, uh, I couldn't take bus five. So I was thinking, oh, let me just take bus 26 to my school, right? But I, in my uh, bus card, there's bus route is bus 5 and 26 and me I, I was trying to take 23 because I missed I couldn't get on bus 5 but you wouldn't let me get on bus 23 because, because it's not on the card yeah mm -hmm. parents this also affects you in a big way because the schedules are changing we are, have our work schedule and other obligations uh, parents this new three-tiered bell system what what comes to mind right off the bat well <clears throat> as the only person that sat through every sunrise transportation meeting um, it was the only solution we could find that would give our kids back a full day of education. So we spoke, um, I spoke on behalf of the silent parents that didn't know how to come out and speak for their ch children. The kids who weren't getting to school on time, the kids that weren't getting breakfast, the children that weren't getting after school, they weren't getting field trips. Some days they weren't going to school because the bus didn't show up for hours. I, as a leader, felt it was super important to make sure the three belt, belt time happened. Now the three belt time has negatively affected my family, but I have to take that in stride because my son has access to a full day school now and um, we'll deal with the extra time on the bus that he's gonna have to spend, even though there should be no reason. He's, we didn't change our address, we didn't change our school. Um, the district just changed our route, which um, I'm working with them to change. But our children need to be in school and they weren't getting there and they need their breakfast. So um, we fought for that. On the, um, the buses, the metros, um, they can take any bus they want to school. They have to take the route home. And parent Congress has argued for, I mean, the argument's 12 years or so that they've mm -hmm. argued they don't want the routes 
We finally got the routes off. They put them back on. They're saying it's because of fighting. And uh, I'll say, I don't know if I believe that. Because if I were going to want to fight you and I knew you were going to be somewhere, I could pay the $2 to go meet you and fight you, right? Like, I'm a teenager. I can I figure out how to get the bucks, right? Like, me and you are going down. We're going to meet, right? I just know as an adult, I better go home first. Because once I go home, the district no longer owns the rights to punish me for getting in a fight. So, children, go straight home. Get home as fast as you can. And if you want to do something crazy afterwards, I would say don't do it. But do it after you've been home. Okay? <laughs> Not advocating for yeah, not advocating. Sort of violence, everybody. Let's get to a po positive, peaceful resolution. Arm reduction. But you use your smarts. You know, the district owns you. They're responsible for you until you walk in your house. A lot of people don't know that. I, I know when we talked to the students last week, they're like, what? I go, yes, they're responsible for you. So, so if something you, happens on the bus, on an NFTA bus, that is a disciplinary action that gets taken by its Or if our child gets hurt because the district didn't take care of them, we have a legal obligation to go after them because they're responsible to keep our child safe. And they're not doing a great job of it on the buses, but that's because they're not treating everybody with dignity. I mean, I'd have an attitude, too, if someone came over and wanted to check my bus pass all the time. I'm not breaking the lobby at this bus station. You don't need to see my bus pass. The only time you need to see my bus pass is when I try to enter the train or the bus. There's no reason, in my opinion, that they have the right to look at that. Do so, we have any experience with the yellow buses, the school buses? Because it sounds like this is a, a disconnect with NFTA and, 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 and people we, using had, the service. So we get door-to-door -door service with our children. With, we have children with autism. So our experience is a lot easier to deal with because we're just waiting in our house for the late bus. So And we're usually one of the first kids picked up because we live in South Buffalo and we go to Olmstead. So we're one of the first kids picked up. We're in a warm house. We don't have a problem. And when they come home early or late, we're in the warm house mm -hmm. waiting for our kid. Some don't have so, that luxury. Right. right. Don't have so that for luxury. our family, we have very little effect. And that's why last year I would say I took well over um, 150 calls for transportation problems. At school 64, um, the number I used about three quarters of the year through was 45 times. One to three buses didn't show up on time to take the kids home. And that was, you know, a third of the year at that point. And I'm like, guys, we got to do better. Children, um, we shouldn't be stuck on a bus or stuck in a room. What they were doing at Waterfront last year, they were taking the kids a half an hour early and waiting for buses. I really needed a half an hour to get ready to load a kid on a bus. So it was inefficient. It was um, depressing to see it as parents. And the only reason we know that that happened is because we were in the building. Mm -hmm. uh, most parents, if you ask them if the kids were short on their regular day, would say, what are you talking about? But the parent leaders who are in the buildings trying to solve these problems, we know it happened. And that's why we fought so hard for the three-bell time. A lot of people are upset about it, but um, the people who are upset will just deal with it because the other children deserve a fair education and an equal education. Well, and we've also gotten information from the district. They are looking at the families that are the worst impacted, like that have a bus at 6.15 in the morning for a 7.30 start, because there are some, it's less than 1%, I'm told, and it is being looked at, right? So they are reviewing the routes, and we, you know, we're going to keep our pressure on that because we've got a lot. I mean, our group, uh, BPTO, has we had so many um, families reach out about the, the bus times and it being longer on the buses for their seemingly longer obviously the school year ha it hasn't started yet but just looking at their transportation forms they're like i thought it was supposed to be a shorter commute you know so everyone's it, it's 
the, everyone's a little afraid that it's going to be a mess. Mm-hmm. But we're told by the district that they have reviewed all the routes and that they will continue to re- review the ones that fall outside of an hour. But there's like a hierarchy of what they're going to look at first. First being the families at Olmstead, which are the most um, impacted because they're over an uh, hour. Over a hundred, over a hundred families are getting picked up before six thirty. And we will wow. say that David Hills has been quite helpful in trying to at least um, be honest with us and forthcoming with the transportation issue. And he's been a partner, my belief as a parent, he's been a partner on the transportation where he's actually um, understands what we're going through and tries to solve the problems. And it's been helpful when he can be. You know, it's one of those things you can't solve every problem every day, but if we can make it easier for a few families every day to have a better experience it's would it's helpful right and i just want to say one thing about the the bus passes so with the routes on the bus passes and this has been my issue this is what i say in our meetings i would like all of our students first and foremost to be treated like children and young adults and give them the respect that they deserve secondarily our kids should be able to get home however they need to And it worries me when I'm told by parents that like, oh, my son missed such and such bus and thought, oh, NFTA says this bus comes, tried to get on that bus and the door shut in their face because they can't get on the bus. And that's exactly what Sangam said, right? So that happens. And that's my concern when you're talking about, you know, bullying or any of these issues that these kids are dealing with. We need to trust our students to get themselves home safely. If you are on the bus and you're like, oh, I'm going to miss my connection, but I see a group of students I don't want to get off in front of, they should have the right to be able to stay on that bus and go home however they choose. And that's, I'm not going to stop fighting for that. I I just think it's really important. And I don't think our students every day can say, hey, security team, I, I need a, an, an extra bus pass because I might need to go a different route today. It's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Innocent, free birth, Sangam, as far as resources, as far as our school, con- the conditions of our schools, uh, I know that Food is something that parents and, and students, everybody, and people working at the schools are all concerned about. There's a new proposed commissary that's being opened that's going to support Buffalo Public Schools, the one on, on Delvin yes. Avenue. Where do we stand? What are, you, what are your thoughts on your school facilities, on the resources there, and food? I feel like sanitation is a big issue in our school. Uh, also... Food is important because without a well, good... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Yeah, so you can't just drop that one off. Yeah. As, sanit- as far as sanitation and, and the, the conditions, what, what does that entail? So sanitation. My school, sometimes we don't have soap dispensers. And to keep our, our hands clean and stop spreading germs, we need soap dispensers. And also we need, I will say, napkins. I feel like schools don't prioritize uh, sanitation as a big issue and... There's certain students that could get sick, get sick easily. And um, my school, there's like sometimes there's markings you will do on on like a wall or a floor and they'll still be there the week after. Mm. And janitors are supposed to clean, make sure the school is sanitized, have every equipment. Uh, I'm not trying to say my janitors don't do their job, but I feel like they need to value their job a little more and make sure that bathrooms have soap soap dispensers because we did come from a pandemic that had us away from school that had our education limited for like i say three to four years almost and yes sanitation is a big concept well i started asking about it but the commissary the food quality currently uh how would you characterize that in your schools 
not very it's not very good <laughs> um, not good in what way selection right. is it the quality of the food the portion of the food uh the taste of the food quality of the food no uh, unless it's some 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 special day you know <laughs> some maybe like once once every week you'll get something good in lunch but that's about it other than that the, <clears throat> the lunch is ve not very edible you know right yeah. the once every week thing is very true like it really is like once a week you will get something that's like oh okay like this isn't too bad but generally like most of us most of me and my friends like we just we eat the fruit and like kind of leave the rest when it's not something that like is you know good but yeah also we don't even have salad bars anymore well i don't know obviously school didn't start yet so i don't know if we're going to but like when i started there in fifth grade there was salad bar microwave um and we didn't get the microwave back until like the it might have been like the middle of freshman year or the middle of last year um and we never got the salad bars back but we have like salads i guess yeah. It sounds like variety and quality are, mm -hmm. the, are the big concerns with the food. Mm -hmm. Parents, you find that that's, that adds up is what you're, hear, you're hearing on your end? Yeah, and again, this is an issue we've been working on for such a long time, and um, our food service department is phenomenal. They really, I mean, during the pandemic, they were helping with food giveaways mm -hmm. and really trying to push food out to the community. And there is, speaking of kind of working together, um, as part of our wellness policy infrastructure, we have a nutrition committee that includes all different stakeholder groups. So we have an opportunity to get feedback from the students, um, from parents, from community partners, from academic partners that have expertise in nutrition and dietetics, and then from our district partners. So we have practice in kind of working collaboratively. Um, we were able to get salad bars in the school in large part about six years ago with student advocacy. Our student community health workers at that time advocated for salad bars in the schools, went to a board meeting, um, supported a federal farm to school grant getting into Buffalo Public Schools, helped to co-create 30 plus school community gardens. So a lot of good work has been done and we have been really hopeful about these plans around a, a new food commissary because it really is just a capacity issue at this point. Um, but the salad bars were shut down because of COVID and I'm not sure why they haven't been back up and running in all the schools. It's something that we've addressed as an advocacy issue because if kids want to eat fruits and vegetables, why why can't we give them that format mm -hmm. for doing so? The students advocated for that, right? And there's issues in terms of just federal programming where um, like a, you know, some of our student athletes here that are in high school get the same portion size as a kindergartner. And so we have to supplement some of that too and get them some additional food and, and healthier foods. But right now, because most of our schools don't have full service kitchens and the Central Food Service Commissary literally is falling apart in certain areas, we have to have a, a new building to build that capacity to train up um, the, the food service staff in the buildings and to just have more fresh, healthy, culture responsive food. So the food service part department really wants to do this. Um, we thought that the commissary was breaking ground this month. It sounds like there's been some operation and budget issues related to that. But it's a, this is a huge priority because we all know that if we're hungry, <laughs> we're not going to be doing it's much learning learn or work. Yep. Right. And so I think we need to, again, really prioritize this. I know the superintendent has said multiple times when she did her listening to her last year that food was at the top of the list in terms of student concern. So I think um, I know this is like a simple thing that we can do. It seems like, you know, I know we want to get up 
math and ELA scores, right? But if a kid isn't is hungry, they're not going to perform well. And so I think we need to prioritize this as an issue. It seems like maybe this is not the work of, of the school district, but when you are in a low income city where the food security is such a huge issue and so many of our children are depending on the school food, um, we really need to make this investment and figure out how to get this commissary built and give more high quality food to our kids. I'd first like to address the cleanliness of schools. Not every school is dirty. 156, I was there today, is quite clean. I think it uh, might have to do with the engineer and a, a certain school or staffing levels. So um, a lot of our schools are clean. So first. Second, the commissary. Wow. We thought it was a done deal. I sat through at least two presentations of this beautiful building that was going to be born, you know, in uh, 2025, right? Mm -hmm. And um, myself and Danielle toured the old building. The old building will not survive much longer. So if we don't build a new commissary, we're going to have to find a new building. Guess what? There's no new buildings in the city of Buffalo that size. So we have to stay where we're at. The rent's going to more than double. We're going to have to take nine or more million dollars worth of repairs in that building. And we're going to have to spread it over five years. So now you're talking about instead of spending a half a million dollars to um, house our uh, commissary, we're going to be paying $3 million a year to house that. That's $15 million. That's a... More than a third of the project. We have the money. We expect the project to be done. We spend money on um, all high stadium. That doesn't affect every student in the district. We're going to waste $26 million to send our kids to Buff State. So in 15 years, Buff State, like every other college, can kick our kids out. And we get very little return for that. We'll get 400 kids a year or so from, Ohms, from uh, Da Vinci that will go to Buff State. But we can't spend all this money to to affect every person in the district. Every single person in the district has an opportunity to eat in the cafeteria. And when we improve the food by improving our commissary, more people might eat it and we'll get better food and better food. And the, as the president of the district parent coordinating council, we will have veggie stations back. We will, that's my goal this year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna very aggressively seek starting in high schools that we get these back for the students. Um, it's one of my main goals for the year. I don't understand it. I, I don't like the excuses. You know what? We don't allow our children to have excuses why they don't do their homework. So why do we allow our principals to have excuses and why we can't have our veggie stations now? So that's how I feel about that. I want to give some time as we wrap up here with our parents and our students. Parents first, is there another issue that we haven't addressed here? Yeah, the way the district treats our children with disabilities. Our district has no respect for our children with autism. So this year, just recently in the last month, they told 400 plus parents that you're no longer in a 611 classroom. So I get a phone call from someone that says, hey, I gave a parent your number. Have them call me. A parent calls me and goes, I got a call today. They no longer are gonna have an autism class at school 72. They told me to pick a school and they gave them a list of schools. I go, well, pick this school. That's a good school. He goes. And to clarify, 611, 611 meaning. Oh, yeah, sorry. The one ratio, teacher, ratio. Yeah, one teacher, one aide, six students. They're changing it to one teacher, one aide, eight students. Hmm. So this family tells me, this is all great. I use sibling preference to get the younger kid in the same school. So the older kid can take care of the younger kid. Well, they're shipping the child with autism to a new school. And then they're not allowing the other child to go with that family. And then at Olmstead, they told 15 families, seven of you have to go to City Honors 
or we're going to put you in a lottery. So they force families to leave, and some of the children aren't hand, handling that very well. It's a um, good change. Mm -hmm. it's, it, a good it, change. It's, it's, it's awful. So they wouldn't do it to a, any other kid. They just pick on our children with autism. So I'm going to um, attempt to bring a resolution to the next board meeting that says, and I'm hoping the board will bring it in the following month, that once a student is placed in a building, that student lives in that building until it ages out. So if you put a kid in the autism class at school 72, they stay to eighth grade unless they're going to one of the three autism big schools. You Shipping kids from school to school to school like they're just a number, it's so heartless and it's really disgusting. And I could argue that um, the special ed department has committed a crime the way they're treating um, our families. And I, and I hope attorneys are listening to this and they reach out to our families because our children matter just as much as your children. And uh, the people who made this decision wouldn't have let it happen to their families, but it happened to our families. And it's disgusting that, so our kids are always last. We're the last to be picked to do this. We're the last to, oh, don't forget their class. Oh, don't forget this. Well, I, for one, will not sit along silently any longer and allow them to marginalize our children. Our children are um, roughly 25% of the district have disabilities. It's a large amount, and it's growing. Autism is growing at a rapid rate. We will, we demand, and we will expect equal treatment and fair treatment, and we won't sit back and allow them to disrespect our households because they can. That's that's just not right. It's not fair. And to do it in such a short notice is really despicable. Yeah, and as, I mean, so... Um our school is my school is city honors and it's a great school and we have wonderful teachers willing and ready to welcome these students nobody wanted it this way it's unfair to these families to do that to them at such short notice like ed said like these are our most vulnerable children so i'm i'm really disappointed we will uh do everything we can in our power to welcome those families but it's it's just heartbreaking it's heartbreaking to you know sit on the phone with a mom whose child is having the hardest time with this transition it's so close to school we could have done better we need to do better and part of what we will demand this year is we we need to be in the fold and we need to be in the fold sooner we these surprises thinking you can call us on a friday and say this is hey we need you on a monday we we're not having that anymore parents need to be in this is the overall communication yeah. It's, yeah it's awful and some parents still don't know today officially that their children are in 811 next year because they were on vacation they weren't home change their numbers Wait till you ask that question of people at the at the higher level and see the response. Like this is they do it everywhere. Why is that okay? Why why can't we be better? Why is it always well everybody else is stinks we stink. Why can't we be the best at anything? Like we we our superintendent just sat there at the state of the schools and bragged and I, and I appreciate her showing off the district, but we're we're forgetting our group of students. Our students are being left behind, and it's it's status quo. Yeah, and I think it's really an equity issue. I know that the superintendent and the district have really talked about equity being important and having an equity approach. I think it's important for us to have a shared understanding of how we're measuring equity because our special education students, they deserve equity. Um, when you look at you know certain indicators like suspension rates, there's a major inequity that's there. Um, we have schools like City Honors next to 
some other schools that are very disparate in terms of the quality of education that they're getting, um, the amount of communication is provided to parents. And so let's really talk about what equity looks like. Let's make sure that our students who are the most vulnerable, um, and there's a high volume of vulnerable students in Buffalo Public Schools, are getting what they need. And I hope that we can interrogate that more and work together on that this school year. We are young. We, <laughs> we make mistakes. I feel like we covered a lot of interesting topics and I really don't got a lot to say, but thank you for having me here today. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Um, Anything else from, from the parents? I just wanted to lift up the issue of mental health um, because it, mental health is actually classified as a disability as well. I think a lot of parents don't realize that they can request accommodations for a student who's having mental health challenges. Um, and a lot of times, again, there's behaviors that are in the schools that um, are being seen as problematic behaviors that the root cause is a, is a mental health issue. So um, again, in terms of inequity and things that youth are struggling these days, we, we really, I mean, our Surgeon General has declared that we have a mental health crisis in our, in our country. And we see that with our, with our children, um, Buffalo in particular, you know, with the pandemic, with the mass shooting, with the deadly blizzard, mm -hmm. the amount of crisis and trauma that has been layered on this population of youth, um, the pressures with social media and all of that, we need to really be looking at mental health and coming up with both individual family and community interventions, dealing with trauma in, in a comprehensive way, um, and, and recognizing that you know mental health, it's not just like a, a light thing to do, but some of our children really need those types of supports and you can request accommodations and, and parents should know that and know where to go to get help and get supports and services that are appropriate for their children. Uh, mental health is, it's a huge issue that, that we really can't do it justice in, in the five or six minutes that we might have for it. And, and something that on what's next we want to tackle with sufficient time. Hopefully we can continue these conversations in the near future and hopefully on, a, on an improvement side. So thank you all for today. We would like to thank all our students who participated in our panel, Innocent, Free Birth, and Sangam, as well as the parents, Ed Spidell, Danielle Grismala, and Jessica Bauer-Walker. We were hoping to have a conversation preceding this one that would involve BPS administrators and representatives. Rich Nigro, the president, and Melinda McPherson Sullivan, the vice president of the Buffalo Teachers Federation, had agreed to join us along with Larry Scott, the vice president of student achievement and board member at large of the Buffalo Board of Education. But we received no response from the Buffalo Council of Supervisors and Administrators. Given how important they are to implementing the district's rules and regulations, we felt we could not have a comprehensive conversation without them. Our invitation still stands for all to join us on what's next. Superintendent Dr. Tanja Williams's office responded to our request, and while we were unable to involve her in this conversation due to scheduling conflicts and hope to speak to her in the near future, her office provided some remarks regarding some of the concerns brought up by our student and parent panel. On the topic of suspensions, the office of the superintendent stated that, to date, short-term suspensions decreased 7.5%, and long-term suspensions have decreased by 24.7%. The district also encourages parents and caregivers to contact the school administrators of their child's school directly with concerns about their child's discipline so appropriate actions can be taken. The BPS Code of Conduct was updated over the summer based on two community meetings to gather input from students, parents, and the community. Regarding the three-tier bell system, the superintendent's office states that for the first time since 2015, all morning bus routes have been covered and routes are 17% shorter, and average ride time is 22% shorter. In regards to bullying, on August 16th, the Board of Education passed a resolution on DASA and incidences of discrimination and cyberbullying, 
and the superintendent looks forward to working with them this fall to not only provide the requested information, but to further strengthen BPS's anti-bullying and harassment initiatives. They've held multiple trainings regarding bullying for all staff that will continue throughout this school year. We're told the crisis prevention and response student supports teams include student counselors, social workers, and psychologists. Restorative circles were also conducted with students. Regarding the new commissary, the superintendent's office states that they are working with federal, state, and local officials, including the New York State Department of Education, on the next steps for the proposed commissary. In regards to the 811 change for autistic or other health-impaired students, Superintendent Dr. Tanja Williams specifically stated, in hindsight, I certainly wish we would have handled the rollout of this significant change very differently, but we are doing everything possible to ensure these students have a happy and successful year. We thank you for listening to the special episode of What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.